Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Here's what's happening at Gateway Community Church. The holiday season may be over, but we still have one more gift for you. Right Now Media gives you access to free Bible studies and video content for you, your family, and even your small group. Go online and create your account today. Deeper Weekend for Students is coming up soon. This in-town weekend retreat is a time for them to go deeper in their faith. Sign your students up now and let us know if you'd like to host a group in your home. We are currently gearing up for our upcoming church-wide experience, MOVE, Study and James Together. Listen closely because this is very important. Join a MOVE group. Starting on January 28th, we will be starting a six-week series on the book of James. It is important that you join a MOVE group in order to follow along in the study. MOVE group signups begin on January 21st. Go to the Next Steps area or go online to join a group. If you are interested in hosting a MOVE group, orientation dates are on January 14th and January 21st. We are excited to see what God has in store for us in the study of James. Some final dates to keep on your radar is Super Bowl Sunday on February 4th and a night of worship with baptisms on February 9th. Those are perfect days to invite a friend, so mark your calendars and we hope to see you there. Stay up to date with the latest news in your bulletin or visit our website at gateway-community.org. Thank you for being here and welcome to your journey. We've got um, uh, about 80 women this weekend at a, a retreat on the northwest side of Houston. Uh, and uh, I pray God's doing incredible things there. Uh, let me salute you dads who made it this morning. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass you. But God bless you for getting up and getting those kids here. You know, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, the, the ladies are there going to be watching it later on Facebook this morning. So I just want to say, honey, um, we only went out to eat once <laughs> to El Dorado, had Mexican food. We did stop and get ice cream afterwards. By the way, that um, Bluebell King's Cake is pretty good. <laughs> so anyway, I just thought um, I'd get a, little, uh, get a little ahead of the game here. But you know, there's, uh, they're, they're doing some amazing stuff there. We're all going through stuff. We're all going through things in life dealing with adversity. And the reality is we... None of us like it. None of us look forward to it. And, and if you felt like I've felt about it, you, you want your life, though, to be different. And you don't want to be always caught up in that. You don't want that to be what defines your life. And the book of James tells us we can find meaning in life and things begin to change when we move from being hearers of God's word to being doers of his word. It says in James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. A major theme that runs through the book of James is this understanding that faith isn't faith until it's put into action, until it lives what it believes, what it claims. James 2.17 says, in the same way, faith by itself if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. 
James says we're, we're deceiving ourselves, and then, and then we wonder why we're not experiencing hope, why we're not experiencing God's peace, because we've actually failed to live the Christian faith, our Christian faith. So James is a very practical book to study because it's about real life and how we deal with that stuff and not just think on it or complain about it. And over the next six weeks, we're going to dig into the book of James, in the, in the, which is in the New Testament, in a church-wide study that, as Brandon said, we're, we're calling MOVE. We've, got, uh, we've prepared a journal. Um, many of you in our church family have written the devotionals in here. One of the cool things about doing it this year, we've completely done this ourselves. So it's our church, it's our people, it's our stories. And uh, if you haven't got one of these, you can get one of these out in, the, out in the lobby after this service. We begin reading tomorrow. Tomorrow is day one of the reading, so just to be, be clear about that. But there's also the weekly small groups to watch Pastor Francis Chan walk us through the book verse by verse, followed by discussion questions in those groups. And each week, the, the message, as I'm doing here this morning, is going to dig into one of the main topics of that coming week's passage of readings and unpack it to help us learn how to live and move forward in faith. If you're with us last week or if you go back and watch it on, on Facebook, Carson Manish told us that the writer is James, the half-brother of Jesus. And the book of Acts tells us he was the early leader of the church in Jerusalem. And so I want to invite you to open your Bibles to James chapter 1. James is very near the end of the Bible. Uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, there's the Version Bible app, or we've got the notes in the bulletins that you can pull out and use to follow along. And now, in verse 1, James tells us he's writing to Jewish Christians who, who've moved away from Jerusalem, probably because of the persecution of Christians that began after the stoning of Stephen uh, in, in the book we read about in the book of Acts. So James is writing to Christians who have likely experienced some hard times because of the faith they've claimed, the faith they've attempted to live, that people have noticed and they've, they've, they've made it hard on them. And in the face of that, in the face of persecutions, in the face of trials and, and leaving their homes, right off the bat, James states what may seem like one of the most ridiculous statements imaginable. And yet... Before I read it, let me just tell you that if you get what he is saying, if you allow this to become a part of your life, it will change your life forever. It's that important for every single one of us. He says this in verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, when you first read that, I mean, the first thing is, who can do that? It's crazy. It's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard on the face of it. And, and, and yet, this kind of statement can even lead some folks to dismiss the Bible, to say it's irrelevant, it's out of touch, it doesn't understand our lives. But followers of Jesus Christ believe that every word of God's word, every word of the Bible is truth, and it's important. And so we need to avoid jumping to conclusions and instead take some time to figure out what is God trying to tell us? I want to tell you, there's some bad teaching going around in our world today, in the, in, in the Christian community, that says if you have enough faith, you'll overcome being sick or being poor. So you should, 
name it and claim that health and wealth. There's just one problem with that line of thinking. Look in your Bible. Every significant man and woman of faith in the Bible endured suffering and hard times. They all did. Folks like Abraham and Sarah, Moses, David, Elijah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and and of course, the best example of all, Jesus himself faced trials of many kinds, including an excruciating death on a cross. So it's hard to make the case that men and women of faith don't suffer or experience trials. In fact, James makes almost the exact opposite claim. Christians should consider it pure joy when going through trials and hard times. It could be trials due to the being a, a Christian in a culture like ours that is increasingly negative about Christianity, much like it was in James's time. But James says many kinds of trials. So this really applies to any kind of trial you, you're going through. In the original Greek language in which James wrote this letter, the statement is written in the imperative case. Now, some of you, that you're going back to English and you don't even want me to say that word. Okay? High school English, the imperative case, or some other languages. But it's an imperative case. What it means is it's a command. It's not a suggestion. He's telling his persecuted readers, he's telling us, That when we are to consider it all joy, it's not a feeling that we should conjure up somehow. He's not suggesting that we should be happy when something goes wrong or that we pretend everything's okay. No problems. I have a perfect life. Look at me. At least that's the the way I want to present it to you. In fact, there's nothing that says just going through trials is going to fill us with joy. Rather, James is telling us that if we allow God to work in and through our trials, we can find joy in what God can do in us. He says in verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Many of the, many of the trials that, that, that come our way just pop up suddenly. I got an email just over the weekend from one of our church family who was in the hospital and somebody else who told me they'd been in the hospital for several days. So things like illness or, or mistreatment by a friend or an accident, these things come along and they interrupt our lives and plans and we can moan and groan about them. We can have a pity party, which is what we often feel like doing. Or we can choose to change our perspective and see them from God's point of view. In Romans 8, 28, it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. That's a very important phrase, of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. When we know that God will cause everything to work together for good of those who love God, then we recognize that God can use these trials to develop in us Scripture says, perseverance. 
Sometimes I, I hear someone trying to cheer another person up with that verse, Romans 8, 28. And like they're saying, whatever comes out of some hardship or, or, or adversity or whatever you're going through is going to be inherently better. It, it's going be, to be great. And, and, and so just, just hang on. It's going to be an incredible ride. But let me tell you, Romans 8, 28 isn't a promise that everything's going to be fine or great or better than it was. But that if we love him, and trust him in working in every situation and trial we encounter, he will bring good out of it. James says testing and trials can help us learn to persevere versus bailing out, growing our spiritual nature into being, he says, mature and complete. Now, that word mature shows up in a lot of different ways in the New Testament. Some translations say perfect, but it's translating the Greek word teleos, which points to something becoming or fulfilling its created purpose. Now, I remember when I was a kid, I watched Mary Poppins. Anybody else? How many have seen? Yeah. Now, just, just think, I don't know if you did this, but did you ever get up on a table or a window and open an umbrella and jump out? Thinking, if Mary Poppins can do it, so can I. That somehow that umbrella is going to support my weight against gravity and create enough air friction and I'm going to slowly sink or I might even rise up. Now that's not teleos, maturity for an umbrella. That's not what it was created for. And if you did that, you probably hit the ground pretty hard. Or your mom got mad because the, in, the umbrella went that way. You see, when, when we are what we are created to be, that's God's intention. When his intention is for you and me to be whom he created us to be, not, not somebody else, not to fit somebody else's mold. We're talking about our creator's purpose, our God's purpose. And, and God's purpose is to bring you and me to maturity, to teleos, to whom God created us to be. And that is to becoming more and more like Jesus. And that's the whole point of the journey of discipleship. That's what you and I were created for. That was, if you go back to the Garden of Eden, that's where it began. Before, before we sinned, that was the picture. And, and, and in a sense, that's where we're headed back. God's purpose for you and me, though, isn't focused on happiness. Now, I know, everybody thinks the, the point of Christian faith is to be happy. Especially people outside the faith. The point of Christian, Christian faith is Holiness to be more and more like Jesus, which is more and more different from the world around us. To become a person of character and honor like his son. Second Corinthians says the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. James says one way, get this now, he says one way God accomplishes this is by allowing you and me to go through trials. 
They're one of the, in fact, one of the most effective tools God has to grow us in disciples, into disciples of Jesus Christ. Biologists recognize a principle among plants and animals called the adversity principle. And it, it may sound strange, but what it says is that habitual well-being is not advantageous to a species. An existence without challenge takes its toll on virtually every living thing, which may explain explain the astonishing results of one survey where 87% of the people surveyed said a painful event, death, illness, breakup, divorce, whatever, caused them to find a more meaningful, a more positive meaning in life. 87%. Malcolm Muggeridge wrote, contrary to what might be expected, I look back on experiences that at the time seemed especially desolating and painful with particular satisfaction. Indeed, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I have learned in my 75 years in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my existence has been through affliction and not through happiness, whether pursued or attained. James is challenging disciples of Jesus to see our trials from God's point of view, that that he can use them to grow us spiritually, that the outcome for our eternal souls can bring us closer to Jesus than if we had not gone through the trial. Now, even at this point, you may be thinking, this ain't getting any better. But James says we can consider trials pure joy not because of what's happening to us or or what we're feeling as we go through them, but because of what God can do through those trials so that we learn to persevere and thereby increasingly learn to trust him in our lives. This is what God can and wants to do through trials. But the reality is that most of us don't see them this way. Either it's just too crazy or, it's, or at the very least, we've never thought or heard about trials and adversity this way. If you're a Christian, the idea that we can consider trials pure joy may be really hard to swallow. So you have to decide Am I going to trust God and his word? God knows it's hard. He understands. And so James encourages us to seek God's help. Verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. I mean, this... As I read this, I, I, I mean, I think, I think this is one of the most beautiful and encouraging promises in all of the Bible. That God wants to give to you and me who choose to follow Jesus. He wants to give us wisdom to enable us to see as God sees. To see us as God sees us. To see the world as he sees it. The God who created the whole universe wants to share with you his wisdom. But, but, it's, but it's not automatic. We have to seek it. We have to ask for it. And it doesn't mean we're going to get an easy answer or that our problems are just going to go away, which is, which is, if we're honest, often what we want. Because God's purposes are bigger 
than happiness. They're for our holiness. They're for preparing you and me for eternity with him and and to make a difference in this life. Perhaps even because of our trials. Dr. David Osborne said, too often we try to use God to change our circumstances while he is using our circumstances to change us. Let that sink in for a minute. And so God tells us multiple times that he welcomes us to seek his wisdom. In Proverbs 2, it says, My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver, not for iron or dirt, for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. Though we have to search. We have to seek this. James says God gives wisdom generously without finding fault. In other words, he's not going to look down on you or me if we admit we don't understand but we want to, but we want his wisdom in the midst of it. And the more we seek his wisdom in our trials and and put that into action, the more we learn to trust him. Verse six goes on, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. James says if we don't really work hard at trusting God, we're going to get blown back and forth as we waver between belief and doubt. And I suspect there's not a soul in here who is a follower of Jesus that has not wavered between belief and doubt. And what that results in, he says, is essentially unstable living. A faithful disciple of Jesus Christ chooses to trust him. Even when when our feelings are muddled, even when we can't make sense of it all, because faith is a choice and action that leads to a life of strength and peace in all we do, even in the midst of our trials. But faith doesn't just reward us and how we live in this life. Because he says in verse 12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And and interesting thing, as I was reading and doing some background reading this week, one of the things I discovered is that James often seems to be intentionally alluding to Jesus' teachings in the Gospel of Matthew. He must have had uh, uh, parts of Matthew's writings or some of the statements there because as he talks about blessing, he sort of reminds us of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 and some of the things Jesus said there where he talks about the various blessings his disciples will experience as they trust him. The person who, once again, perseveres under trial, 
He says, we'll receive the victor's crown. But, but the image here is not of a kingly crown. You know, it's not one of those big, heavy things filled with, with, with gold and, and uh, uh, jewels and all that kind of stuff. The picture here is of a wreath placed on an athlete's head for winning the race. It signifies a life run in faith that perseveres through the trials of life that that life will receive the glorious reward of eternal life, of heaven forever. And so the person who faces trials, listen, can consider it pure joy because he or she trusts that God is using this time of testing to grow and mature them increasingly into the image and likeness of Jesus himself. That is, this is in fact one of the primary ways God grows us. And if becoming like Jesus is our goal, then trials become a significant, it almost strains me to say this, opportunity for that to happen. Not that trials are fun. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what scripture says. Or not that I'm happy going through them. Oh, look at me, I'm going through a trial. This is so fun. But that we have faith that God will ultimately use them to grow us and even use us for his glory. Paul writes in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Now, James goes on in this passage to talk about temptations, which in, in many ways are similar to trials. Trials come from outside of us, and temptations come from within. But the answer is similar, seeking God and his wisdom to live by faith regardless of our feelings or temptations. And that's why obedience is the clear sign that you and I believe and trust God. Obedience isn't what makes God happy happy, what gets me into his good graces. Obedience is when I trust him, I demonstrate that. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Not obey my commandments and then you will love me. If you choose to love me, then obey my commandments. That's why we believe move is so important and valuable to your spiritual journey. We want to help you know God's word better. So that you can move from being just a hearer of the word to a doer. To ultimately discover the joy in what God can and do. Can do in and through you. In your trials. So I hope you get one of these journals out in the lobby. And it's definitely not too late to sign up to be in a group or even to host a group. I mean one of the things we try to say is you don't have to have Gateway set it up for you. Because you can do all of this through online and through this book, you can do it with some family members. You can do it with some neighbors. You can do it at work. Because every human being in the world faces trials and adversity. And there's almost none of us that like it. So right here, right now, God is telling us something that speaks to every person on this planet. 
You're not talking about some esoteric thing out here. You're talking about real world life where people are today, where you and I are today. And that's why spending time in in groups with each other is so valuable. And there's so much more in this section of James and and Francis Chan in this week's videos is going to help you better understand it and go deeper in that journey. And each week we're going to have a memory verse from that week's passage. So I want you to join me in, in reading together now, and we're going to then work on it this week. So we've got it up here, week one, memory verse. It's in, it's, this is also in here and all that kind of stuff, but read it with me. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. We want you to memorize that so that you can claim that when you're going through stuff. In her book, The Hiding Place, Corrie Ten Boom tells about an incident that, that taught her how to better trust God and give thanks to him in all things. Um, it was during World War II. Corrie and her sister, Betsy, had been harboring Jewish people in their home. And if you know the story, they were arrested and imprisoned by the Nazis at Ravensbrück camp. The barracks were extremely crowded, and they were infested with fleas. And one morning as they were reading through their Bibles, they read in 1 Thessalonians the reminder to rejoice in all things. And Betsy said, Corey, we've got to give thanks for these these barracks and even for these fleas. (laughs) And Corey said, no way am I going to thank God for fleas. But Betsy was persuasive, and they did thank God, even for the fleas. And you know what? During the months that followed, they found that their particular barracks was left pretty much alone. And and they could do Bible study, and they could talk openly, and they could even pray in the barracks together. In fact, during their day, it was their only place of refuge. And months later, they learned that the reason the guards stop coming into that barracks was because of those blasted fleas. Right now, probably every one of us is going through some kind of trial or temptation. I mean, it's the human condition. And the question is, do you believe God's word enough to move from being a hearer only to being a doer of his word. The Bible says, consider it pure joy and trust that God will use the fleas and much worse to grow you in perseverance toward maturity. Let's say this one more time. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. James 1.12. If you're going through some stuff right now, our prayer team is going to be down here, and they would love to talk with you, to pray with you. If Christ isn't in your life, then some of this stuff probably doesn't make a lot of sense. And they would love to help you understand that and pray with you as well. I'm going to be 
out in the lobby over on this side with some friends and would love to say hello if you're, if you're new here uh, or, or Gateway family, if you brought someone with you. Well, let us close. Let me close this in prayer. Gracious God, our lives are, are full of fleas and worse. We face all kinds of trials and temptations. Some of us are in the midst of them right now. And it seems really, by the world standard, it seems counterintuitive to believe that we can count it, we can consider it all joy, pure joy. And yet, Father, you teach us that what you can do in and through those things can help us become more and more like Jesus, who himself suffered on the cross. In fact, you teach us that, in essence, we can't become like Jesus unless we have gone through his suffering. So, Father, I ask that you would, you would challenge our thinking, challenge the way we see trials and adversity. Help us to, to look at it differently. Father, it goes against the grain. It goes against our gut. It goes against how we feel. And yet, it lines up with your word. Help us to be people of faith who trust you so that we can consider it pure joy when we are faced with trials. For you will use those for your glory to grow us increasingly into the image and likeness of Jesus himself. So that one day when we see him face to face, we will see him as he is. For we will have become like him. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. God bless you. Don't forget, move, move. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.